Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of Vice. It's Wednesday, May 8th. I'm Chris Erty. Today we've got a cool interview for you about the up-and-coming music scene in South Africa with noisy journalist Lawrence Burney. He's a great guy. I recommend staying tuned. So this past winter, Lawrence went to South Africa to check out the music scene in the country's largest city, Johannesburg. And he was hoping to find out about how artists there are grappling with the country's difficult political past, but also how they're helping to shape its future. So he met with a handful of young black artists across different genres and aesthetics, and what he found was this flourishing, dynamic art scene in the city. So here's Vice's Sophie Keza speaking with Lawrence about music in South Africa. So, Lawrence, you traveled to Johannesburg, South Africa, about four months ago for a story that just came out. Mm -hmm. What was the main purpose of your trip? Well, I know that there are a lot of parallels between the Black American experience and the Black South African experience because our positions under people of European descent. That's the short way to put it. Um, We had slavery here. They had apartheid there. And a lot of those after effects are very similar So keeping that in the back of my mind, I just wanted to go there because I was curious, but also because it seems like South Africa is kind of having a moment right now as far as like pop culture goes. It seems like they are being set up for like the next destination. So you're a music journalist and you Mm -hmm. were going to South Africa for all the reasons you just said, but specifically you wrote about some young black musicians, some young artists that are up and coming there mm-hmm. and how they're really the first post-apartheid generation and right. how that's affecting their music and how you see that in their music and also how you think it's going to affect the future of the country. So can you talk a little bit about those musicians and mm-hmm. what kind of music they're making? What What's their stories and why did you choose to focus on them? Right. I went over there thinking that a lot of people's music and a lot of people's mission was more directly tied to apartheid or tied to being like the first free generation. But I actually found the opposite as far as the artists that I linked up with while I was there. I linked up with Moonchild Sinelli. She is um like an electronic artist, I guess you could say. She does like some club music, some home music, some um, rap she does all types of music, but like her music is not about it's not about politics in that kind of way. Like she's very adamant about establishing sexual liberation for women. So a lot of her music deals with like the things women deal with, like in dating in South Africa, in the nightlife scene in South Africa. And um, MT is another guy who grew up in Soweto for the most part, which is the biggest township. And he's like one of the bigger trap artists. In Johannesburg and his music is about growing up in shacks, growing up poor in the in the townships and how he saw a parallel between his life 
and the trap artists in America who use that music to um, narrate what it's like to grow up in poor neighborhoods here. And um, Petit Noir, I'd already known him for maybe like three years. We communicated online a lot. I actually interviewed him before. And um, his music is more focused on like sci-fi, Afrofuturism, and like basically establishing your own world when you don't care to be part of the one that exists already. I mean, that's that's the mission of Afrofuturism in general. But his is a little updated because his is mainly focused on like what Africa as a continent could be going forward if it's not so focused on like emulating the Western world or holding on to like these ancient traditions. Um, in his eyes, we have to focus on like the future. So that's like a pretty diverse set of musical genres and kind of styles and aesthetics. And also um, Lady Scully who also was in the story. She's a visual artist. So I talked to her a lot, and a lot of her music has to do with intimate partner violence in South Africa, which is, like, staggering. The statistics, I don't have them, like, right offhand, but a lot of women in South Africa experience domestic violence, intimate partner violence. A lot of women are actually killed, unfortunately. So her art deals with that, and also she's colored, which in South Africa is a legal racial distinction. It has a lot of definitions, but the way that she told me is that colored people are descendants of the Khoisan people who are actually indigenous to South Africa. So the Khoisan people who uh, had children with Europeans, whether that was voluntary or not, the descendants of those people in those mixes are coloreds and colored people are pit against black people. It's hard to see through that when it's like an actual legal distinction is different than America in that sense. So that was, meeting up with her and learning those stories was really eye opening for me because that just adds another layer to their racial politics that I can't even fathom, really. Yeah. What was it like being there and, and seeing this country for the first time and meeting them and having them take you around to the different parts of, of the city that they lived in? What was that like for you? It was great. I mean, I think any any black person on this side of the world dreams of getting back to Africa. I think that's something that like you dream of and don't even necessarily think is going to happen. It's like one of those things. So that was great on that end. But beyond that, I mean, I, I just enjoyed the fact that you know, the world is so small now that, like, we're all so similar. And, I mean, even before the internet, we probably were all similar anyway. But it was amazing to be able to see different realities. Like, you know, I was spending some time in, like, some suburban areas. But also I spent a good amount of time in, like, townships and other parts of the CBD, the Central Business District, which is all, like, you know, inner city feels like, you know, New York or wherever. So it was it was great. It was also just great to have conversations with people to see where uh, where we overlapped, what there was to learn from them, what they had to learn from me. So it was just like a great exchange for for however many days I was there. It was just it was, it was a great time. So what were some of the similarities and differences that you discovered while you were there about the music scene, about rap and hip hop, about mm -hmm. just culture in general? I will say that um, I think that black people are very connected spiritually throughout the globe. I think our music is very similar no matter where we are. And it's pretty beautiful to me that we can be divided or separated in these ways and individually create our own types of music that end up being the same music. 
with like slight tweaks. Like to me, I'm from Baltimore and we have Baltimore club music. Like we started club music, but that came from Chicago house. And then you have Jersey club. And then you have in South Africa, they have GOM, which is the same thing. It's same BPM almost. It's a little faster, same like culture around it, you know, heavy drug usage and like those types of clubs. And, you know, I think the beautiful thing is that I realized that it's not that different. That was the best part about it. I mean, we all we speak different languages and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's not that different. It reminded me a lot of neighborhoods that I grew up in as a kid. It was, you know, people, little kids running around playing, people on the basketball court, people in the parks, eating food, listening to music, people hanging outside of like corner stores and stuff like that. Like it is it's the same. One thing in your article that you talked about that maybe is a little different is it seems like a lot of the South African artists are struggling to get their music played on local radio stations there mm-hmm. because the stations are playing international music or are prioritizing international music, maybe American music. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about what's going on there? Yeah, well, the, the Broadcasting Corporation in South Africa made a mandate or a promise, I think 2016, to play majority South African music for an abbreviated amount of time. And um, I guess it happened so suddenly that a lot of radio stations weren't equipped to even do it because they play so little local music that when it was time to like play this majority South African music, they literally just didn't have it. So some places like abandon it within weeks, some within months. And even just like as a as a as a visitor there, when I was in Ubers or in cars, that was very disappointing to me. Like, I'm like, I know all the music already that's on the radio. I'm thinking I'm going to come here and get put on to something new. But for the most part, it was it was American music. You talked about a hip hop artist named MT and how he was really influenced by American rap music. Did you find that to be like a common thread in the musicians you talked to that a lot of South African musicians are influenced by American music or was that specific to him? What's the relationship there? America put so much into our pop culture that like most people anywhere, not just South Africa, are influenced by what goes on here. So it wasn't particular to MT, but I think what stuck out to me most about MT is that he himself was aware of the fact that like all of his music for the most part or like his inspiration for his lifestyle comes from American rap music. You know, I think that was a unifying thing for us to bond over. Like I was playing him some music, he played me some music. I was hanging out with his friends and, you know, we aren't that different at all. But I think MT uh, was interesting because, like, trap is such an American art form. Like, you know, a lot of times Americans think that they are the creators of a lot of things that they're not creators of just because of that entitlement. But trap music is a Southern Black creation. So for that to travel that far and somebody base their whole career in a way, in the way that they operate around it was was amazing to to see i think he took he takes the negative and the positive so like seeing the the not so positive parts influence him it 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 was a little conflicting for me but at the end of the day like it's good and bad aspects of everything 
NMTs had quite a lot of commercial success um, in South Africa and beyond. But in general, what's the music industry like in South Africa right now? I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to say like as a whole, but I think for different, for artists in different lanes, it can be different. Like obviously rap music is a huge commodity, but I think it's, it's really, really, really hard for people to go the mainstream route in South Africa. Like MT is not even mainstream, which is crazy because he has such a huge following. I think it's more about relationships there. I mean, it's about relationships everywhere, but it seems way more crucial in a place like South Africa to have relationships with like radio stations and like production companies and the music industry, quote unquote, in the mainstream sense is not the route that most South African artists can depend on. It's just it's just not structured in a way that a lot of people can flourish at the same time. I don't think it's not like here where we can have 40 rappers you can probably name without even much thought that like are in the mainstream to some extent. It's not it's not that way there. Yeah, it seems exciting, though, in a way to have this really vibrant underground music scene from like multiple genres sort of coming up right now. I think it's exciting as a fan, but probably not as an artist to know that you have a million followers online, but can't get played on the radio like that doesn't add up. Yeah, that makes sense. So to kind of wrap up this interview, I wanted to talk about Afropunk, which was happening while you were in South Africa and it was the first installment of the festival on the continent ever. Mm-hmm. What was it like? There were a lot of different perceptions of it. Um, for one, I think people who are not in the industry, who are just concert goers, they loved it. I could tell, um, you know, there's a lot of excitement in the air and people were just wondering when Afropunk would come to Africa since that's what it's about. It's about black people. So it will make sense for it to be in Africa. So people are excited about that. I really did enjoy, like, you know, the kind of diasporic link up that it was. I met a lot of different black people from all around the world. People were coming up to me, asking me where I was from. A lot of people thought I was just, like, from Ghana. Some people could tell I was from America just by, like, I don't know, the way I walk. You know, certain things people pick up on that you're not always conscious of. But I think people on the more industry side had a lot of critiques of Afropunk as far as, like, it being at Constitution Hill, which was, like, a a women's prison at one point. A lot of people weren't happy with that. A lot of people aren't happy with the fact that um, Afropunk, in their eyes, is kind of capitalizing on the groundwork that they've been putting in, like, trying to establish Johannesburg as, like, a destination, and then Afropunk can kind of just swoop in and take advantage of it because they have the money and the relationships. But, I mean, just for me, like, outside of analyzing that way, I had a good time. It felt very similar to the Afropunks that happened in Brooklyn, but the fact that it was in South Africa just made it a little more special. That it was the first one there that was more of, like, this sense you could feel of people really wanting to show out and look good and have a good time. And I think that was, that was what made it different. Well, I'm really glad you got to go. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Read Lawrence's full story, go to noisy.vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Tune in again on Friday for another Vice Guide to Right Now.